0: This is vital, vital, Vital Advice for your Everyday Life. Okay, Dallas, welcome to my podcast. Hello, Minnie.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. You know, I come to you for like all of my advice. If I can't figure it out, you can, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I try. <laughs> I am an expert lover, after all. (laughs) Oh, Dallas, the expert lover. (laughs) Yes. So, fun story. We already tried to record this entire episode once before, and it crashed. And so now we're doing it again um, a few days later. So hopefully it's going to be better because it's the second time. But uh, really quickly, I'm going to um, introduce Dallas for what I know her as, and she can take it from there. Uh, I've known Dallas since high, uh, high, school, uh, college where we, uh, work together.
1: <laughs> yeah. We met <laughs>
0: yeah, And I've known her, uh, almost like one year less than her husband has. And so like, I feel like I have like gone through a marriage with her as well. Like we we're that <laughs> close. Uh, so tell us about a little bit about yourself that we should know before we get started.
1: Yeah. I've been married 10 years, got three great kids And I, so I didn't grow up in the LDS church like Mindy did, but uh, I did later join and that's how we met. But um, I did still grow up with the mindset of like, you don't talk about sex. And so like, it's just, it was a taboo subject. We know everybody did it, but we never talked about it. And so getting into my 20s it was really uncomfortable when people would talk to me about like their sex lives but over time i've gotten comfortable with it and i've uh i enjoy giving people advice um and getting their perspective on sex relationships and I mean, it's just taught me that everybody's so different. And so hopefully we can help some people with our talk today. <laughs> Maybe I give hope some so. I mean,
0: <laughs> we're hoping. I, it's, it's kind of one of those subjects, which is why I came to you, that like, it's hard to define these things and it's hard to feel confident that what you're saying is helpful. And mm-hmm. I know that you have way more experience in these two topics that we're talking about today than I have. I've I've done research on them, but I've never really felt what I think you need to have the right amount of empathy to address these topics, and you have, and so that's why I invited you on. Okay, so the topic of today, someone messaged me, his name is Caleb, and asked a bunch of different things for uh, me to consider talking about and one of them I actually did find really interesting and I have been thinking about in relation to these things. One that I I didn't even think would be an issue and is how does one address in their relationship either mismatch love languages or mismatch sex drives? So... Last time when we recorded this and failed, we started off with love languages and I still feel like that's the way we should go. I feel like that really does like, maybe it's just my Mormon upbringing, but maybe we need to skirt around the sex talk a little bit. I don't know, but I feel like (laughs) (laughs) it needs um, like a warm-up topic. So let's Mm -hmm. get started with that. So what are your thoughts on what a person should do if they feel like they have a mismatch in their love language with their partner?
1: I think the most important thing to consider is first understanding what your love language is with your partner in your relationship. And I mean, I could have avoided a lot of difficult years of trial and error with my husband. Had we just sat down and been like, this is what I need to feel loved and secure and seen. What is it that you need me to do for you? Um, And so, because my husband and I do have very different love languages. he's. um, I think we were trying to think of all five last time. So it's physical touch, words of affection, acts of service, um, gift giving, and what's the fifth one?
0: Did you say quality time?
1: Quality time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's the five of them that we'll focus on but um yeah so his is physical touch and mine can be various different things and also his can be various different things based on like the mood he's in what's happened what he needs to feel secure again um mine is usually quality time um but also anything involving food like if he brings me food on his way home because he's stopping by as well, then
0: like he knows to get me something because he knows I will always
1: appreciate it. Um,
0: all girls are that way. Our love yeah. languages, it doesn't matter if there's a mismatch in your relationship. The primary love language for all females is, did you bring me a snack?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Guys, seven, seven times out of 10. If she's angry, just she's hangry. Just give her some food. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I with um, that. I actually I, I told you before that that lady in my class talked about how one day her son came home and um his girlfriend was angry and he couldn't figure out why, like he had done nothing and she was like, Because she's hungry. Go get her a snack. Like go to Starbucks, get her favorite drink, go to McDonald's, get her a large fry, and then go to Chick fil A and get her some chicken nuggets. Like your relationship now is going to be not only like improved, but like she's gonna be instantly happier. Like Problem solved, just get her food. Yeah, women are simple. Food is the language of love,
1: but um, yeah, and so what I would recommend to any couple, whether they're a new couple, a long-term couple, like even 10, 15, 20 years, I mean, I've been married 10 years, and this advice is still really helpful, of communicate with your partner about what it is that each other needs. Um, So for example, like if he is really stressed out, if he's had a really hard day, then I know and to expect that like he's going to need physical attention, like intimate physical touch is going to help relieve that stress for him. That's the kind of release that he needs. If it's something where somebody had said something that really got to him then words of affirmation he loves. And this one he did tell me early on in our marriage that he just needs regular reminders of why I love him. Um, things that I love and appreciate about him. And so in my mind, when I see that he's feeling down, I just say like, you're my favorite person. Like you're, you mean so much to me. I love you. And I, I give him hugs and kisses and it just, it helps. And he's like, oh, thanks. I really needed to hear that. And so having that kind of feedback as well is so important. Like if your partner does something that you don't appreciate, kindly tell them. But if they do do something that just really fills you up, don't just be like, oh, thanks. Like tell them like I needed that. You saw me and you, I felt, really cared for and loved because you did that for me thank you so much because then it's gonna happen again (laughs) it is it's gonna be a
0: repeat thing
1: yes because your partner if they really love you they're going to want to have you feel loved regularly so if you tell them hey xyz makes me feel loved they're going to help you feel loved and that's a beautiful thing it'll help so much in your relationship, just the little things like that really make a big difference.
0: Well, I totally agree. Like it's like almost giving a roadmap or like a, an instruction manual to your partner. Of like, Hey, if you're confused, if you don't know why I'm angry, here's what you can do to improve this situation. Though it's, I said in the last week's episode, it was kind of um, about this topic actually. Uh, but I was talking about how you need to say things because you don't know what your partner thinks you're thinking they can't live in your mind. And 80% of human thought is usually negative self-talk. And so they mm-hmm. might think that you think that they're not great. They might think they're not lovable. Then like that kind of dialogue, you can cut short. What the heck just happened to you, visual? You were sideways. Sideways. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm frozen. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. We can cut this out. Don't worry. <laughs> am i back am i good you are now you back are now okay back. we can cut it out so it's not a problem i don't have ads I, it would be a perfect time to put in an ad break there but i don't do ads so we um, should make
1: fake ads
0: <laughs> <laughs> what should we be advertising <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i don't sell anything but if i would if i did a fake ad i would probably have to do something like go see a therapist now Call this person, and they will tell you to go see a therapist.
1: Better help.
0: <laughs> Better help. Today, um, new added package. They will send you a human-sized slingshot for your partner who doesn't want to go to therapy. You just strap them in. They shoot them right <laughs> off to the therapist. <laughs> Singles also welcome. <laughs> Encouraged. <laughs> Your dirty ex, off to better help with a slingshot. <laughs> okay, what was I talking about before our impromptu ad break? Because of Dallas going sideways on my screen. Um, dialogue with... That's what we were talking about. So, uh, we were talking about how um, your partner doesn't know... What you're thinking about. That's right. So my last episode, I was talking about like the things you need to say to your partner because they don't know what you're thinking. They can't read your mind. And even though you know that you're confident with your partner, they may not know you're confident with them. They might think that, you know, the amount of times that you nag them about the wet towel that they put on the bathroom floor, you just think that they're like dirty, annoying man, right? Or Mm -hmm. woman, depending on your relationship. And it's important for you to to voice, like you said, to voice those things like, hey, you did that thing. That was huge for me. That means a lot that you did that. I am so lucky to have you. Those kind of things really do just like bring about better change in your relationship and they're more encouraged to do it rather than constantly being like, man, I suck about everything. Hi, Grim. Yeah, I mean, it's a good
1: point because we're our own worst enemies. And we just assume that all of the negative self-talk that we put in our heads, that other people think that same way about us too. And so getting that reassurance from your partner that like, no, I don't think that, like, I think that you're amazing. I just am pointing out that I would like extra help in this area, or I need you to just think about cleaning up after yourself for this. and Like that way, things don't just like keep building up and building until they boil and explode. And then it's an an inevitable
0: fight. Yeah. And like, this is important for people who don't have their main love language as words of affirmation too. So it's important for people (laughs) who have like, like physical touch and like, Gifts to hear it too, just because we're humans. We don't live in each other's brains and we need to know those things But at what point is it do you think not helpful to? Own mental health to only be focusing on our partners Love language constant being like hey this I'm I'm doing this for you because I know that your love language is physical touch but I Like gifts and I just don't feel like I'm getting loved. Well, like what kind of conversations do you think? Well, it it is a good
1: conversation because you cannot fill from an empty bucket. And so um, if you feel like you're just giving, giving, giving and not getting anything in return, say something. Absolutely. But be kind about it. I think that what happens is that people get overwhelmed and they're like, I just need to say how I feel. So I'm just going to like throw it out there because they need to hear this. They need to listen um something that my husband and I have started doing is saying like hey there's something i really need to talk about with you is now a good time like are you mentally prepared for me to like talk about something difficult get them in a good headspace to be able to take on some information take on some constructive criticism because if you just throw it at them they're going to feel attacked but if you say mm-hmm. hey Calmly, like, I, I'm really overwhelmed and I really need to talk with this about, uh, talk to you about this is now a good time. Do we need to wait? And Like, do you need to like mentally prepare yourself? It puts them on the same level as you and they're able to be prepared to potentially receive some difficult information. Um, And so that that's going to happen where your partner is going to just get into this rhythm of life and they start worrying about their own issues at work or whatever, you know, their friends, their family, and they just kind of expect that you're going to just handle yourself, that like their mind is elsewhere and can't be on you. And you're going to feel that and it's going to be difficult So what you need to do is sit down and say, hey, I'm not feeling seen. I I feel like I'm not getting the attention from you that I need right now. And so we need to work something out. Like, can I help you to get past this faster so that you can give me some time? Or can you put that on the side burner for a bit so that Mm -hmm. you can spend an evening just with me? Um, If you don't speak up about your own love language needs the ways that you need to feel loved and accepted and seen then it might just go uncared for and nobody wants that your partner wants you to feel loved just like you
0: want them to feel loved and i love that you say that actually that because very often i feel like a lot of us especially those that come from a background of an insecure attachment to our parents often view our partner as someone who's there because there wasn't someone better or they're there by default and they're not actually like choosing every day to stay with us. So I think it's important that you said that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And also remember that your relationship with your parents or your parents' relationship to each other is not you. It's not your relationship. Mm -hmm. It's Two very different people in a very different situation than you and your partner in your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and people get so scared that like they're going to just repeat the mistakes of their parents. But keep in mind that you're a different person, your partner's a different person. You're in one very unique relationship with your partner that would be so different if you were in a relationship with a different person because that's mm-hmm. a whole different person bring out different parts of you. And um, so what you need to focus on is not like, oh, this is inevitably going to happen. My parents got divorced, their parents got divorced, so I'm going to get divorced. It's just a matter of time. Um, if you have that mindset, then, yeah, you're probably going to get divorced. But if you say, hey, no, I want to work specifically Mm -hmm. on this relationship, because it is unique. It is special. I want to make this work. Then you have to have that mindset every day of, yeah, we hit a bump in the road or a huge mountain. This seems unclimbable. Mm -hmm. This seems like we can't get past it. Small steps every day, like make the effort every day to show your partner that you love them, to remind your partner that you need love too. Um, oh, there was a comment that I was going to say, no, I can't remember it, but... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, it's, oh, it's good, but we've still got all good stuff here. It's just, I think so. Okay. So to this
0: topic, um, yeah. no, that's great. I have a for for you then a two for one question. So at what point do you think that human beings as, as in general, like this is not gender specific at all should be seeking out a community to fill their needs in their love language compared to when should it be a deal breaker?
1: Mm, As in like inappropriate. And so therefore it's a deal breaker.
0: Well, I I think more along the lines of, like, when do you, like, have that discussion with your partner and possibly just come to terms in your mind that maybe my love language cannot be fulfilled by my partner, whether or not they're on the spectrum or uh, perhaps, like, they do have some, like, holdups with certain, like, physical intimacies or they, they don't know how to properly give gifts to you. Whatever it is, what part of you, like, in a relationship, can you give that to someone in your community, a friend group that can fulfill that need for you so that you can stay in your relationship that you worked on and that you love. And, um, and what point do you think that the only way to fix it is to leave?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, Jordan, my husband and I are in this friend group and we actually all got together for a friend's birthday party last night.
0: And, <laughs> You guys, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you think on this. and I'm gonna interrupt for a second. They are so sticky, disgustingly cute in this friend group because I'm on distance with Dallas. I just like I watch them and I'm like ew, but it looks like fun. But <laughs> ew, you guys are so cute. But no, <laughs> and you would be in this group if you lived here. So. <laughs> uh, I would. I want to be like like the the friend pigeon or like the friend like bat that just like. Hangs there and then is like I gotta go. Just watches. <laughs> Just like I'm not really involved, but <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! So it this this kind of discussion actually about gift giving came up last night because hey. one of yeah one of our friends said that he is impossible to buy gifts for because hmm. he will not accept gifts that he doesn't already know he will love. So he has an Amazon wish list and every birthday or Christmas, so he'll just go like fill it throughout the year and then he tells his wife, okay, go from that list and so that she knows exactly what he wants and that he's going to accept. Um And Jordan's Bro, like, I oh. thought I was bad. <laughs> So Jordan actually really loved this idea because he's like, No,
0: he didn't! No! Yeah. <laughs> Listen, hear me out! Hear me out! Okay! <laughs> he
1: loved it because he is also very hard to buy gifts for. He, yes, But good. usually he will just buy himself whatever he wants instead of saying like, Hey, by the way, I would love this sometime. So he will just get stuff for himself and then tell me afterwards. And so around like Christmas time or his birthday, like a month beforehand, he'll be like, oh, I just bought all this stuff for me because I wanted it. So it's an early Christmas gift to me. And I'm like, but then what do I get you? (laughs) So he he even said like, see, I like that because I don't, I don't have any way to tell Dallas like what I want. (laughs) And no, so there's been many times it. where he's like, oh, thanks. But then he doesn't actually love and, and appreciate the gift.
0: I'm starting to lean into it. <laughs> it might be a good idea. And I feel like where you're going with this is a little bit like, if you have a partner whose love language is gifts, provide them the opportunity to find the right for you. I get that.
1: Okay. Yeah. But then also, um, because we give gifts within the group as well. And so... I feel like that has given me an outlet because I do love giving people gifts, but apparently sometimes I'm not great at it. And so, <laughs> and so like Jordan doesn't always appreciate getting gifts. He doesn't like those kinds of surprises of like, not knowing what he's going to get, but this friend group does. And so that's the way that I can get that outlet and then also receive other gifts as well, because same mindset for him is that I have a hard time knowing what other people would want as well. In that sense, I think that kind of love language is totally acceptable. You know, give people the, for the people you love gifts, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but when it comes to potentially a deal breaker, is when you your love language say is um, physical touch. Or quality time. And although I'm like words of affirmation, you can totally tell your friends that you love them and you think they're amazing and stuff like definitely do that because th- that'll also strengthen your friendship. But with boundaries. Comes with boundaries. More... Yeah. With boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So definitely talk to your partner about boundaries, but yeah. Like when it comes to something that could be more intimate, that is when you really need to talk to your partner of hey i'm not getting this from you you're not mentally able to pro- like provide this to me how do you feel about opening this part of our relationship up to other mm-hmm. people because i mean physical intimacy is just one aspect of a relationship i mm-hmm. In my personal opinion, I don't think, and I do recognize that people feel so different from this. Like, this is a very hot topic. But I'm wanting to provide this opinion so that other people can think on it, can, uh, like, see it as a potential option. That, like, I don't think that physical intimacy has to be the make or break of a relationship. It is mm-hmm. not the most important thing. In my opinion, the friendship. Is, of your relationship is the most important thing. Like if you don't like the person you're with and therefore don't like spending time with them, but you feel obligated because you love them. They're your spouse. They're your, whatever, like that makes things really complicated. I think the foundation of a really healthy relationship is a very strong friendship. And sometimes people get mismatched and, and this can lead into our next topic about sex drives was like people get mismatched when it comes to physical intimacy where they maybe somebody is asexual and the other person is like pansexual and they just want some sort of like feeling that they can't get from their partner cuz their partner's not comfortable with it but mm-hmm. in every other aspect of their relationship Everything is perfect. They're a perfect match, except for that one thing. I mean, is that going to be a deal breaker? I think on a personal level, you have to decide that, especially if your partner is not willing to share that part of you with somebody else.
0: um, (laughs) um, No, I agree with you. Um, So like my personal opinion on this is love languages are how you show love and how you feel love. And it's up to you to maintain that and it's up to you to reach out to your partner about theirs and to accept what theirs is and so as far as mismatch in there i don't think that's ever a thing because everyone is always different but Mm -hmm. i do think that when it comes towards things of if your partner really really isn't able to meet your needs which is the foundational part of your relationship is your needs that's why you're there then i also agree that you should find a way to open up your relationship within your boundaries and i know this is like coming up on that boundary of an open relationship i don't necessarily believe that open relationships means like you have to open the door wide open and everything is now open and nothing is sacred in your relationship anymore sometimes an open relationship can be that you involve a friend in your relationship to get like it's your emotional needs maybe you need someone that can understand you when you have a hard day and your partner is not able to like disconnect the fix it gadget in their brain you're not looking to fix it you're, you're looking at someone to understand you and have empathy in that situation sometimes a friend needs to fill that or if you have a need of like quality time and your partner's long distance because i'm in a long distance relationship right now i can't get physical touch from my partner i have to find a different way of approaching this within the boundaries in our relationship. So I don't know if mismatch can ever really happen. I think it's all about what we're able to accept in our partner and whether or not we're willing to do that. Yeah. So maybe it's more it's a about take. the relationship itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the only area in which it could be mismatched if it, is if one or both people in the relationship are not willing to provide the kind of love language that their partner needs and requires definitely
0: yeah i think that's exactly where we're heading okay i think we uh we've established good boundaries and good communication style for mismatched love languages but um and how like important that might be however Mismatched sex drive. I feel like that is a whole other kettle of fish. But that <laughs> is important. <laughs> and it can happen is the thing. I do think this is an actual real issue. So just going into it, I know we both have experiences um, within social groups of this being an issue. I don't think either one of us have had a personal experience where we're like, wow, this guy's just not providing it. <laughs> I mean,
1: Right. I yeah, I don't think that I've ever been with a man that like wasn't fulfilling that need for me to the level that I, I just needed it, you know.
0: Yeah. Me either, honestly. Um, and I think the only time that I nope, never, nope, it's never happened to me. So <laughs> <laughs> We are just the lucky ones, I guess. We can't know. <laughs> of course, like I tend to date younger, so mm-hmm got <laughs> why, why, why do I say the things that I say? Oh my God. Um, She's a cougar. <laughs> yeah, but like it works. It is like, it's, it benefits me. I don't feel bad being this way. Um, okay. So just going into it, um, the, the general topic, I feel like is a spectrum because like, it's not always because someone can't, match us sometimes there can be things that are holding them back i know that for me in in upbringing in the lds church i had a lot of because like there's this, this this culture where not just in like the church i grew up in i feel like it's in general a lot of churches uh that have purity culture ingrained in them there is a shame element associated with it just in general it's never painted in a positive light i've never had a discussion within my church group that saw it as a good thing it was shameful, and there's this this dialogue that if you have sex before you get married then you either are now looked at in your community as someone who can't respect boundaries and someone that doesn't love god and someone that values their their lustful desires over their relationship with god and are giving away something instead of saving it for their husband or their wife, or they pity you. Yeah.
1: Have you ever heard, um, I don't know if you heard it in your young women's um, groups when you were growing up, but it was popular when I was going through of the story of um, or the metaphor of being a chewed up piece of gum. Oh yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So to anybody who doesn't know, um I don't think that it's talked about much anymore, but a while not that long ago, young women were taught that if you uh so you're basically a piece of gum in your wrapper <clears throat> and if you have a sexual relationship with somebody before marriage, then that person is Chewing on you as a piece of gum. And then you go to the next person, that person's chewing on you as a piece of gum. And by the time you find your spouse, you're just this old chewed up piece of gum that nobody wants. Nobody wants used chewed up gum. And so when I joined the church, I was not a virgin. And could you imagine teenage, like, newly in the church con- con- convert coming in being like, you're a chewed up piece of gum. Oh my no God. One's gonna like you. Nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to love you. Nobody's going to want you. You're used. And You want to have there's... sex with someone, but you already
0: have. <laughs>
1: like, what? Yeah. And Jordan said that on his mission, um, there was regular talk amongst the missionaries. You, like, using women as other metaphors for objects or food do do of like um, you, you don't want your birthday cake already having taken a bite out of it, or you don't want somebody to already like open your present before you. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Literal
0: objectification,
1: Yeah. pure objectification. And so when you mix that with like, yes and so when you mix that with um telling girls that like you are special because you are pure then it gets in their minds of like this is a dirty thing and Mm -hmm. like what happens when i do get married and have to go through this or even worse they don't even know what you're talking about because they didn't get proper sex education here in utah the sex education in school is just abstinence. That's it. And so it's just don't so do it. But why? Yeah, just don't just do don't. it. And there's like stories that go around BYU of newlyweds. They grew up in the church in their bubble, not knowing what sex was and they get married. And on their wedding night, they're just sitting there in bed next to each other. Like, what do we do now? And so of course, course like so many couples that i talk to that are also ex-mormon like me and my husband they never got the chance to like try things out and know what they liked Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. what gender they liked and so at this point they're married with kids and have a mortgage and like have settled down and they're like but this isn't what i want like now that i've had my like, de- like uh, deconstruction from the church. Now that I've uh, thought about all these different parts of me and really found out who I am, this isn't me. This isn't what I want. And the partner that I chose doesn't fit me in that way. And that way is very important to me now. And they don't have that kind of sexual intimacy, like, physical touch element of their relationship open and accepted to seek, seek out elsewhere sorry i'm starting to stutter but it's and it's so i've done it before <laughs> but i mean cuz it just this is a subject that really frustrates me because people feel so trapped because of social yeah. constructs of all right, well, you're an adult, you got married, you had kids, you're here, you don't want to break up your family, do you? So now you've got to stick to the rules of society. And it's especially because they've had it drilled into them from like newborn age that once you're a family, you're a family for eternity. And you can't do anything to break that up. And Mm -hmm. because otherwise you're going to ruin your kids, you're going to ruin your life, blah, blah, blah. And- So my husband and I have kind of deconstructed that in a way of like, well, yeah, I got my sexual experiences before joining the church, before getting married, but he grew up in the church. He did not get that opportunity and he wants other experiences. And I totally understand that. I mean, it's fun Mm -hmm. to like try out different people, I guess you can say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) Have different it's great story
1: time too <laughs> <laughs> sorry if it's loud the my um uh, garage is very loud and it's opening right now but um yeah and so it's so sad seeing people just accept that well their sex life their sex drive will not be met with a partner anymore because it's not their their part their lifelong partner now does not meet those needs and yeah. that could be mentally and emotionally really draining knowing that something that you personally need. So especially like for people who are asexual now, they need to either like give their partner more than they're willing to do physically, or they're just Like they feel like they're just going to be alone because they feel like that people aren't going to accept them for not wanting to get physical. And it's heartbreaking or somebody who is bisexual, pansexual wanting relationships outside of just a heterosexual relationship, not being able to experience that kind of feeling, that kind of release those needs met just because of a decision they made when they were in their early
0: twenties. It, it is so heartbreaking. And, and like I said, that's just like one, like one layer of the onion. There's so many other layers there that could be going on with your partner, whether it's like previous sexual abuse or if they mm-hmm. are asexual or they might not feel like they're capable of doing what you need because you do have a higher sex drive and they just don't naturally have that. There's, so many different things that could be going on. So if you're ha- if you're a partner and you, you feel like there's a mismatch in the drive or the, the amount that you want to be having sex, it might not be what you think it is, first of all, and you really need to determine how important sex is in your relationship. Because, like, for me, long distance, I'm not getting it at all. <laughs> <So> <laughs> if, like, it's something important to me. I have to determine whether or not I want to continue to have a long distance relationship. If we need to open the relationship or if I just hold out and I, and I'm doing like abstinence until I can see him. So it it really mm-hmm. is like, you, you need to know yourself. You need to know your drive and you need to know at what stage in your life you are in order to accommodate this person in your life. Now, us allosexual people, people who enjoy having sex, have it pretty easy because we can kind of, we understand that it will happen, but someone who might be in a relationship with someone who is asexual, that's a whole other different, like, that's a whole other different onion. It's not even in the onion. It's like different onion. Um, Mm -hmm. I am still kind of new to the whole topic of asexuality. I've only done, like, I would say, like, first layer research on it, though I have experience with someone who was asexual in college, he was my roommate and we didn't know what asexuality was. We didn't know what aromantic was. We didn't know what like anything outside of what the norm of what the church promoted to us at BYU of what, we you know, like, you, you, you don't have any sexual desires until you're married and then all the sexual desires, cause you want all the babies. Like that's kind of what <laughs> we understood as young 20 year olds. And this roommate was one of the most romantic people I had ever met. She loved like Pride and Prejudice. She was really into Bollywood romances. She loved Korean dramas and like, oh, it was just so romantic. And she she presented herself very much like someone who would be allosexual. Um, mm-hmm. But we started to pick up on things. The type of show she liked to watch where it involved romance didn't have kissing scenes and it didn't have sex scenes of any kind at any time. A scene like that would pop up she would get physically grossed out it was almost like she would like shiver with like how grossed out she was by mm-hmm. it and then she'd be like mm, no I don't like that and for us we were like yes you do what do you mean you don't yeah. oh come on when it's what it's you it'll be you'll like it. it it sounds gross I know but you'll like it when it's you we didn't have like any concept that no she doesn't have those feelings of that being appealing to her. She is grossed out by it. And so when we came across an article about asexuality, we turned to her and we're like, oh my God, do you think this is you? And she started to cry. Because in her mind, if she didn't have any sexual desires, no man would want her. And Mm -hmm. she, she just turned to us. She says, I want a family. I do want a husband. I promise you I do. I don't know what I am. And she just never really we never really talked about it again. And I don't know if she's ever fully discovered it. Mm-hmm. But that was my first introduction to it. And I felt bad because like for us, like we we should know better. We should know that this is even something that someone could feel. Yes, so but that's my yeah.
1: Yeah, but asexuals, like they love love for the most they part. Do. I of all the like audiobooks, um, podcasts other people that i've talked to not one of them that i've met is a romantic as well like it's usually people that love love they love like intimacy but not sexual intimacy yes but then they see sexual intimacy as the way to get to emotional intimacy and so they still just put up with it to a certain point, but sometimes mm-hmm. it can make them feel so disgusting and like it could be traumatizing it to a certain point. And so that's like, that's like a chronic issue that you need to address with your partner and know if that's going to be a deal breaker for you. Um, yes. But then there are different times in life where there may be lulls where one or both people just don't have the sex drive and that can be an acute issue. So for example, when in all of my pregnancies, I was really, really sick, like bedridden, always in the hospital type of sick. And so I didn't have the physical capability to go through the act of sex. I just, I didn't have the energy. It would make me feel sick. And then it would make him feel dirty because I'm like, dying on the bed and and, but he still wanted to be like seen and fulfilled in that way Mm -hmm. and so over time we got comfortable with like okay when i'm in those states where i just can't provide that for you then he seeks it out in other ways whether it's um pornography that we have like talked about and i'm i'm comfortable with where it's from like an organization or whatever that doesn't do like harmful stuff or it's like above board type of thing. Um, Or he'll go through ones that are like um, run by women. That way it's like more uh, kind towards women than objectification and stuff like that. And so we talk about those things so that, he knows that he is safe to go fill those needs elsewhere while I'm in a state where I can't provide that. And so Mm -hmm. that is important to talk about with your partner for like acute issues. But if it's a chronic thing, you really need to know if it is going to be a deal breaker. If like Mm long-term for the rest of your life, potentially if you're not going to be okay with that.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's one thing that like, going back to purity culture, I wish that they would stop. Um, just stop purity culture in general. Yeah. You're not reduced to whether you are, to, no whether you are to to a virgin or not. Negativity. Like, regardless, like, regardless of like, if you believe in it or not, whatever. I feel like you need to be having, first of all, you need to know what your sex drive is, you need to have knowledge about yourself. And then second of all, you need to know, whether or not your partner's comfortable, not only just with sex, but the type of sex you want. Like, where are your boundaries? Where does it cross? And is that so important to to your partner to have that a part of his sex life that is that going to be a deal breaker? Because not like some people have some really kinky ideas. Mm -hmm. Like, and that
1: those conversations are so awkward, but they are really important because there are times where I've like left the room feeling like I did not consent to that. That, that made me uncomfortable wow. at the moment, but like they enjoyed it. So I'm whatever. I'm okay. But then talking about it later and being like, okay, I don't like doing that. So can we not do that in the future? And if I am comfortable with it in the future, I will let you know.
0: I think that's very uh, an important part. I wonder what it would take for me. That's crazy. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm just revealing (laughs) stuff about myself over here. Uh, But I can only imagine for someone (laughs) who is asexual dealing with, uh, with being in a partnership with someone who is allosexual and the type of like, like, what could you even say to your partner? at that point when it always feels that way but like there's this dynamic that like goes through my head when i think about these situations where an allosexual person is in a committed relationship with an asexual person especially an asexual person who is repulsed by sex is (sighs) at what point does it become a dynamic where the asexual person has to subject themselves to acts that literally is abhorrent to them in order to maintain the relationship Uh, or the allosexual person has to be enforced. What is it? Um, What was it? Forced celibacy in in order to maintain the relationship. Neither person is okay with it. And neither person is going to be comfortable like with the alternative. So like, I don't know if there is another option other than to open the relationship at that point with this kind of dynamic. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that that could be a healthy way to go as long as both people are at that, at that level, they're like able to trust each other that at the end of the day, They're the main relationship. They're the ones that are going to be the ones that are loved. And the allosexual partner is just seeking out this physical aspect of their needs and desires being met by somebody else, but not their emotional needs, not their, like, not their heart. They're not giving Mm -hmm. that part of themselves to somebody else just because, I mean, it's often hard for people to see that sex and love can be mutually exclusive. And sometimes they don't, like, people don't see it that way. They see love equals, like, or leads to sex or, and then sex mm-hmm. causes love. Um, I think that um, another thing that could be helpful that I've heard some people do in, in those kinds of relationships is, Um, schedule sexual intimacy because if that doesn't happen if they don't like they're not mentally preparing themselves for one specific time then they're always on edge they're like oh Mm -hmm. does this like cuddle or kiss session mean that it's going to lead somewhere that I'm not mentally prepared for right now and yeah they could always just be on edge with that and it could be stressful and it could really like eat at you and, and ruin your relationship long-term
0: because if they always have that guard up of like at any point, at any point, this kiss could like lead to that or at any point I can just look at my partner the wrong way and it's going to be sex on the kitchen floor. Like it, it, Mm -hmm. I think the discussion needs to be had and then proven about that boundary of, like, it has to be within that scheduled time in order for that person to feel comfortable. Like, I I don't know anyone personally that has this kind of dynamic, but I can only imagine that it's stressful if you don't want to open the relationship. And it's stressful. I I mean, like. It's going to be stressful for both parties. Yeah, yes, definitely. Like, It's stressful, like for the person who constantly feels like I have to dress less attractive, I have to walk less attractive, I have to watch myself around my ovulation cycle, because I'm going to smell more attractive. (laughs) Uh, Like that whole like, there's so many things that you can think about if you're trying to not be attractive to your partner, which is like sad, because don't you want to be attractive to your partner? Like that's, that's one of the most beautiful parts about being in a relationship is knowing that this person is attracted to you. Yeah. And then there's the yeah. other element of like, do I always have to like watch porn in order to feel fulfilled? And a lot of guys and a lot of women, that's not going to do it. Yeah. It's just not because the actual act of bonding with your partner during sex is what makes it fun.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um. I lost it again. <laughs> oh,
0: shit, I'm sorry. No one is.
1: No, that's okay. That's okay. It's fine. Um, um, Yeah. And so I think that, again, just talking with your partner is so important. Yeah. And, and understand.
0: Mm-hmm. What? It has to be the bare minimum. Like, that needs to be yeah. the foundation. It's like, this is what I am. And this is how I view sex. And this is what's important to me Mm mm-hmm
1: yeah yeah and so um that that's the bottom line is if you guys are not on the same page if there are certain things that are deal breakers then your person needs to know that oh what i was going to say is here we go (laughs) do not tell asexual people that have accepted and come out as asexual and know that part of them that they just haven't had the right person.
0: Oh god, I hate that.
1: Do not do that. That is so horrible. I mean, could you imagine being like oh, I've dated so many awful guys and somebody's just like, "Oh, well, but you haven't tried me. You haven't tried the right guy." <laughs> like, oh god. No. no. That's horrible. It's Mm. almost like
0: people who really, really ate certain type of foods, like like they can't eat it. There's always that, that, oh, but you haven't tried, you know, there's going to be one pickle that you're (laughs) going to (laughs) like. Or maybe you could just accept the fact that this person has tried or just knows. And that's just the way it is. Like that's just accept other people's ways of living life. Yes, I don't don't understand why that's so hard. Just because it doesn't reflect your needs and doesn't reflect your experiences. Why are you trying to make yourself feel more validated in someone else's walk of life? I don't get it.
1: We are all such different people.
0: Agreed. So within the spectrum, I have done some, some research on asexual people approaching relationships and the fear of opening a relationship because their understanding in general of the sexual act being related to being emotionally close to their partner, like the bonding element to it, which on my podcast, we have talked about how like, regardless of whether or not you are, going to continue being sexual with that person, you do release bonding chemicals in your system when you have sex with that person. But that doesn't mean that we are slaves to our emotions. We can right. we can control that. But with asexual people, the concept there is very difficult to understand because their element is the bonding. Like that's mm-hmm. what they get out of sex. Because a lot of asexual people do have sex and some of them, to a degree, see it as something that is, like, recreational. I guess, like, rock climbing, or whatever. Like, they they see it as, like, like fun. Or even as a means
1: to an end.
0: Yes. Or even as a means to an end, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So that they can get that kind of closeness, but I mean, for people like me and you that can Mm -hmm. separate the emotions from the sex, like, sometimes it's fun to just have a one night stand or something, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's totally fine and it can be healthy. It can release like stress, but, um, for somebody that sees them as inherently connected, that kind of situation just doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like possible.
0: Yeah. So like what I think of is, uh, sometimes, um, I have, I have a lot of, like, random people, and someone um, had no affection towards animals. Like, they couldn't understand why people had pets. And I was talking to her one day about, like, why? Don't, like, they're so cute. They're so fuzzy. They're so lovable. Even, like, the little hamsters, you don't even like the little cute little hamsters? Like, nothing. And she was like, it's like someone took me into a tire store, and we're trying to get me to pet tires. Or hold this bike tire. Or is it, like, isn't this tire cute? Like it's just like that's kind of how I feel like some asexual people approach the the act of sex. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, I, I like tires, they're useful for my car, but like I don't get off on tires. Like <laughs> you know, tires. So I, I think kind of that some of that element is in there too. But then there's also the trauma aspect to it. It can be traumatizing, especially if someone has a mismatch in there, like if someone's really kinky. And someone's, like, really into the dirty stuff. Mm -hmm. Having a relationship with an asexual person, that's, oh, man, I just can't imagine.
1: Yeah, like I said earlier, I've been in situations like that where I left thinking, like, that wasn't what I wanted. Could you imagine that every single time of being like, all right, I feel dirty and taken advantage of, and I didn't consent to these certain things? I mean... Constantly. And so, I mean, for any relationship, these sex talks are awkward and difficult and you feel oh. like you're going to offend your partner, but they are essential for you to feel safe and secure in your physical mm-hmm. relationship.
0: I think it's it's important to, to kind of focus on the fact that like, if you're an adult, if you can have sex, you should feel comfortable going out of your comfort zone enough to talk about it. Because. Yeah. We're not in high school anymore. I get that, like when our our emotional egos were very fragile and anything could could harm us, it was more difficult to talk about these things. But if you're gonna be in a relationship with someone that you're going to be having sex with, you got to be able to talk about it, and you got to you got to work that awkwardness out of the conversation. Just own it. Mm-hmm. I guess you talk. You can do it, then you can talk about it. Yep. So. I don't know if I'm fully convinced that a person who is allosexual in a relationship with an asexual person necessarily need to end that relationship. But I I do understand that it can be very scary for the asexual person to open the relationship because they do associate that with bonding with their partner.
1: Yeah. And so they would think like, oh, if my partner can find this elsewhere, then they're going to find every other aspect of the relationship with that
0: person too. Like nothing is valuable anymore.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, it comes back to like foundation of your relationship should be friendship. You should be able to talk with your person about your boundaries, your needs, and feel safe and secure in that. And if you don't yet feel safe and secure to talk about these things, then you need to work on the friendship first before working Mm -hmm. on any sort of like intimate level connection
0: yeah I agree with you I I, I don't agree that any asexual person person should try to adapt to the allosexual person's needs just because that's That's, the norm yeah that's not fair to them at all no but I do think that it's important that both partners get their needs met some way and Mm -hmm. so if you know for sure that your partner is asexual like they've talked to you about it I guess like what I'm trying to say here is at what point do you walk away for the betterment of the relationship? What point Mm -hmm. do you as a human being feel like it's justifiable to do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if your partner is not willing to um, accept your needs in any way, shape or form, if they're not willing to, schedule time to be intimate so that you can look forward to it and they can mentally prepare for it. If they're not willing to allow you to seek those needs out elsewhere, whether it be through, um, masturbation or an open relationship, um, Mm -hmm. like if they're holding you prisoner in that sense of basically saying like, well, my needs, and my feelings are more important than yours, then Mm -hmm. that, I think that's really unhealthy at that level. It's just not
0: healthy. Honestly, I feel like this is the type of relationship that could benefit from couples therapy the most. Mm -hmm. If, If anything else, I mean, communication styles can often cause contention in relationships in general, but imagine sex drives being the difference like I think that that needs to be something that you do bring someone else into am I boring you Dallas I got like five hours of sleep last night I'm good <laughs> <laughs> i <bargaining> too hard <laughs> yawning on my podcast how dare you oh, I'm, so uh, sorry.
1: I'm here I'm present I am listening I'm focused. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay uh, what was I gonna say something about getting help okay ah yes I honestly want to bring up polyamory in this situation because one of the biggest benefits that anyone can get from polyamory is the fact that everyone's needs can get met some way and no one is abandoned. Yeah. So I know that and you there, have some knowledge on this.
1: Yeah, and there are different d- different types of polyamorous relationships. There are ones where everyone is equal. Everyone has the same level of love and care as everyone else. Um, And then there are ones where it's kind of a hierarchy, where you have your primary partner and then your secondary partner, your tertiary partner, and so forth. And that is one where your primary partner, whatever they say, goes basically where you guys have to be on the same page otherwise the poly the poly relationship is not going to be successful and i feel like that's how me and my husband are where yeah we're open to an open relationship but the two of us we come first no matter what like it and there always has to be open communication where he's not allowed to just go off and do whatever with whoever and not consider my opinions and feelings about the matter. Like he, he talks to me about who he's going to start talking to. Um, If anything were to get physical, we need to talk about it beforehand and vice versa. It's not just on him. It's on me too. And so we have these rules set in place so that we can protect our relationship and keep it, what we want it to be but still recognize that we our marriage is a partnership between us because we love each other and we want to love our partner for who they are not mm-hmm. try to fit them into a box that society says well now you've gotten married you've got the ring so now you have to follow by our rules and so mm-hmm. i think it's in important- order to be
0: legitimate you have to do it this way
1: Yeah, exactly. And any other feelings you have towards anybody that's inappropriate, that's not acceptable, you're cheating on your partner. And so, but Mm -hmm. we do recognize that cheating can still happen in a poly relationship. And so everything always has to be above board. I mean, everything has to be talked about in in the open. Um, That way there's no deception. There's no sneaking off and texting somebody that either of us don't know about or or whatever like everything is is with respect um and not, not just in the context of a poly relationship but in any relationship i think it's important to have the relationship fit you and your partner versus you and your partner fitting into a relationship where like i said oh we're married so now we're stuck in this kind of situation where this is where we're at now. And instead we make the relationship just fit our needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's the beauty of polyamorous relationships to me is the fact that first of all, they com- communicate way more about everything and nothing is off the table. Like everything <laughs> gets talked about because you don't have to feel like, are they going to think I'm cheating? You talk about it. It, mm-hmm. it is way more accepting and way more, I mean, hard feelings, like, damn, you guys talk about feelings way more because of all of the feelings involved, but it can lead to everyone feeling fulfilled. And that's why it can be beneficial, I feel like, in these kind of situations, for sure. Building um, a little non-conventional, I guess, structure can make sure that, you're not being abused and you're not abusing your spouse. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And yeah. unfortunately, that needs to be talked about. So I feel like if anything that we talked about feels uncomfortable to a partner, I would just honestly like tell them to talk, at least learn about it. Because mm-hmm. you might be uncomfortable because of a deep rooted idea that you had. I mean, like, a few years ago, do you think he would feel comfortable talking about polyamory? No, no. And
1: I do remember the first time we talked about this type of thing, I was a full-blown mess. I was bawling. I was like, how dare I have feelings for someone else? And my husband just looks at me and he's like, that's normal. Like, you're a human. You have emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, that." Mm -hmm. It's normal to have feelings towards somebody else. And that's when it like really got going and we started talking about it more and being like, you know, what if we wanted to act on this? Like, how would you feel about that? And so, I mean, neither of us have yet, but it's something that we regularly talk about of like, Hey, I find this person attractive. I want, I just wanted you to know So that if it seems like I'm flirting with them, I probably am. And it's something that we just are always talking about so that we can get used to it more and more comfortable with the idea of it. So Mm -hmm. that if something were to start being initiated, then we're not completely caught off guard. We're not like, oh, that was just a a conversation we had like two years ago. You really took that seriously type of thing. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's always talked about.
0: And I think it's beautiful to have that dynamic where both people aren't threatened by it. And if you do feel threatened by it, talk to your partner. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like it needs to be like, now we're going to be like, on the verge of ending our relationship, because I talked about the fact that I'm uncomfortable that my partner is flirting with the person they said they're attracted to. Like, you should feel comfortable being able to be like, I had some feelings about that. Like, yeah, that makes a good relationship. In just in general but I do think you need to educate if anything that happens comes up in your relationship that you're uncomfortable with do some research do some research become educated on it and you might find that the reason why you're feeling like you're uncomfortable is because of something that happened in your past either like you came across via someone else's relationship or you have been taught from a young age something that you need to feel shameful about that thing mm-hmm, yeah, that's exactly. my feelings
1: on that anyway. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or feelings? Um. <laughs> so on the same topic of like wanting like having the freedom to talk to your partner about what's on your mind. um, how I describe it to Jordan is that I feel like there are moments where I'm talking to husband Jordan, and then there are mm-hmm. times where I'm talking to best friend Jordan where oh. it's about something outside of our marriage. And I'm like, I need to talk to you as my best friend because that's the kind of input and advice I need versus when I talk to him about like husband stuff. hmm
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a good idea to to maintain because like you should have some sort of element of friendship with your partner. You should not have to always feel like everything is so goddamn serious. Like some things can be like so much more on a fluffy, superficial level. You don't always have to be like, Let's get to the root of this issue. I I like that. Keeping a friendship clear and defined within your romantic relationship. That's cute and
1: i mean he he said that he doesn't see it that way like i'm just me and so he talks to me as a jordan me. answer <laughs> he is such a jordan answer he does not he does not compartmentalize <laughs> things everything is that <laughs> but it's just whatever
0: is it is <laughs> i mean
1: it's a great representation of how people are just so different in relationships like He and I are so different in so many ways, but we work because we're willing to work through it. And we recognize that, like, I love him for who he is. He loves me for who I am. And so anything that's going to get uncomfortable, like, we will work through it because we want this relationship to stay.
0: Yeah, I've never told you this, but I'm going to tell you this now. Oftentimes when I think about your dynamic with your husband... Your thought process, I like imagine what's going on in your head is like Bob Ross painting and like painting this beautiful picture, whereas Jordan's head is just like Morse code. He's like, (laughs) you're like, look at this beautiful picture, and then there's some happy trees, and there's a waterfall over here, and he's like, he's like, zero, one, one, zero, zero, one, one, (laughs) zero. even with this mismatched communication like level on your brains you've been able to like make it work and flourish all these years so mm-hmm. i think if anything you guys are a great example of how this it can work with the right mindset and the right commitment behind it
1: yeah yeah awesome. yeah it's all right it's yeah, really just you, if you want to make it work you got to figure out how to make it work
0: Agree. Like that that's like the main point of like this whole episode. I know we've been on for like over an hour, but you want to make it work and you both are making it work, you can make it work. Yeah. The whole point of the episode. (laughs) Summed up. It It really is. Yeah. Like we're killing it over here. Anyway, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, giving me uh, two days of your time in order to prove <laughs> <of> this <laughs> And thank you for oh, being my first virtual I, I, guest.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. And it
0: was a lot of fun talking about this yeah. with you. I enjoyed <laughs> it. You were the right person to come to for sure. All right, I'm going to sign you out and then I'm going to sign these guys out. Okay, bye, Mindy. Right, bye. All right. If you have made it to this point in the podcast, I am so proud of you. It was a long one, but I feel like Dallas provided us with a lot of golden nuggets of knowledge for us to uh, put into our lives from her 10 years of marriage. Um very proud to say she is my best friend. All right. I'm going to let you guys go though. Remember to stay present. Remember two realities can exist at once. Remember to study the brain because it's a fascinating place and I will see you guys next week. Bye.